Hey, doll. Hey, doll. I'm your host, Paula. And I'm your host, Cynthia. And we are Dolls Dolls and Doom. Doom. All right, Paula, I have a really sad uh, missing persons case for you today. Oh, no. And as promised, I'm keeping with the Christmas genre by sharing another case that happened right around Christmas time. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Derek James Angabretson. Derek James Ingebretson was born on July 5th, 1990, and he lived in Bonanza, Oregon with his parents and his two older siblings who were 18 years old and 15 years old. So little Derek was the baby. And I've never been to Oregon, but I know that it has the most amazing, gorgeous mountains and wilderness areas. And this was perfect for Derek and his family because they were really into the great outdoors. Have you ever been to Oregon? I have not, but I've always wanted to go because I've seen the photos and movies where it's filmed in Oregon and it's just gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. It was incredible. Just even researching this case, I was like, wow, that's like heaven. So when I say they were really into the outdoors, I mean, they were really into the outdoors. When Derek was a week old, his mom, Lori, put him in a baby carrier pack that she wore, and she took him on a bear hunt. Shut the front door. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. I was expecting, like, a hike or, like, a canoe ride. Right. Like, no, th- these people don't play. Like, wow. they are into the great outdoors. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, you know, they knew their way around the wilderness. Derek's nickname was actually Bear Boy because of all the hunts he went on and how much he loved being outside. That's cute. So cute. So at only eight years old, Derek was really accustomed to like this really mountainous terrain. And he had recently walked more than 20 miles along the Oregon countryside with his parents. When you think, you know, you're planning on being in this kind of terrain, something I know nothing about really (laughs) Uh, but the people who do know about this stuff they know that there are certain things that you would need to have with you at all times and one of the things that Derek always had with him was a little hatchet that was like specially sized just for him that his dad had given him and whenever he was outside doing one of his nature walks or one of these you know hunts Derek was always known to take that little hatchet with him and he would leave a tiny hatchet mark on every single tree that he passed. And when I was researching this, I was trying to figure out like, I don't know if this is something that maybe he was taught to do to like, you know, make almost like a trail, like a way of keeping track of where he had been. Like breadcrumbs. Right. Yeah. Or if he's just a little boy, like, chopping every tree he passes and yeah. <laughs> as the mother of boys I kind of lean towards the second that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just because oh I can't imagine my kids with a hatchet but so in addition to loving the great outdoors Derek was also an avid reader and guess who his favorite like author was and his his favorite book series was I don't know something outdoorsy no, actually. It was R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So I thought he was kind of a kindred spirit, you know, like in the all things spooky like you and I do. Yeah. So most kids love Christmas, right? It's this magical time. Most adults love Christmas. 
And one of the things that made Christmas extra special for the Ingebretson family, and specifically for Derek, was that he got to go on a hike in the woods with his father, Robert, and his grandfather, Bob, to find that perfect Christmas tree. Now, in last week's episode, we talked about going to a Christmas tree farm and cutting down your own tree, which is honestly the most primitive thing I've ever done. (laughs) But this was no tree farm. Derek and his dad and his grandfather, they were going out into the woods, the real woods, and cutting down a tree from the forest. And honestly, that's something I've only ever seen done in movies, but I have seen it done in movies. Oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) Now, this year was actually a little different than years prior, because this year, Derek's mom, Lori, wanted to use an artificial tree, because why? Why would a mom want an artificial tree? Less cleanup. That's right. The real trees make a mess. But one of Lori and Robert's neighbors really wanted a real tree. But they had some health issues and they weren't able to go cut one down for themselves. So they asked the Ingebretsons to chop one down for them. And so this was like the best of both worlds. Lori got to have a nice clean living room that wasn't filled with pine needles. And the guys got to cut the tree down like they always did, which is definitely part of the fun yeah they're manly duties (laughs) that's right (laughs) so on the afternoon of december 5th 1998 robert his father bob and little Derek traveled to the picturesque forest of oregon's pelican boot now being a florida girl this is once again something i've only ever seen in pictures and movies but like i said this is literally a winter wonderland The trees are taller than the buildings that, you know, we're used to seeing here in Florida. Everything was covered in snow. It was absolutely incredible. And Derek was really familiar with this area because it was actually one of his favorite places to go mushroom hunting. So you know you love the outdoors when you go mushroom hunting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I didn't even know people hunted for mushrooms, but it sounds fun. That's really specific. Right. It's not just hunting. It's mushroom hunting. (laughs) (laughs) So when the trio got to the Pelican Boot, they went up an embankment into the snow-covered area with all of the trees, and they left their truck parked down by the road. Derek's dad, Robert, went up ahead, and he told Derek to stay back with his grandfather while he, you know, went to scout out the perfect tree. So Derek wasn't really happy about being left behind, and he kept asking his grandfather, Bob, if he could run ahead and catch up with his dad. Now, I know what it feels like to be broken down by a child who keeps asking to do something over and over again. And if they keep asking long enough, eventually, you often give in. And that's exactly what happened. So Bob knew that Derek had a pretty good idea of where he was. He was pretty familiar with the area. And he certainly wasn't going to give up asking if he could run ahead. So Bob told him he could go ahead and find his dad. So less than an hour later, at about 3 p.m., Bob and Robert met up with each other. But when Robert asked where Derek was, Bob said, well, I thought he was with you. So Robert gets upset immediately. And, you know, he's angry. You know, he's angry at Bob for letting Derek run ahead. I I think I would be, too. Yeah, by himself. Right. And, of course, the panic sets in immediately for both men. 
because, you know, this is not a good scenario. They start running all around the forest looking for Derek because at this point, the daylight was fading and a really heavy snow was starting to fall. So the two men separate and Bob, being an expert tracker, was actually able to retrace Derek's footsteps all the way back to where their truck was parked. He was able to see that Derek had gone back up the hill, then looped around, and then stopped to make a snow angel in the middle of the road. There were also cut marks in the trees in that area, so it was really obvious that Derek had been there with his little hatchet. Now, there should have been some footprints leading away from the snow angel, right? You would think so, yeah. So, unfortunately, a snowplow had come through in the few minutes since those tracks were left, and it had destroyed any remaining clues about where Derek might have traveled to after making that snow angel. So, Robert and Bob ran around looking for Derek for right around an hour, and they kept screaming his name and getting no response. And after about an hour, they did meet up again. And at this point, it was dark and the snow was falling even heavier. So at about 4.13 p.m., Robert decided to run down to the road and try to flag down anybody he could find who might be passing by. So he did see a car passing. He was able to stop it and ask the driver to call 911 to report Derek missing. They were pretty deep out in the wilderness. This driver had to stop at a resort that was about two miles away to even use a phone. Because this was 1998, and I know that doesn't seem like long ago at all when I think about it, but this was way before cell phones were like a normal thing and everybody had one. Right. So it took the police about two hours to get to the scene, but it took about five hours for a proper search team to be organized. Is that because of the weather? Partly because of the weather, yes. But the other reason was because the local search and rescue had held their annual banquet on that day and no one wanted to prematurely end the celebration. But a child is missing. Right. I get that you're having a fun night and you deserve a celebration. Right. But a child is missing in the snow. Right. The search and rescue team is having a celebration. That's what you do. You're celebrating all the, I assume, good work you've done and lives you've helped save and here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, th- this came up later as a, a serious complaint um, from the family. Understandable. That, it, that yeah. it took so long to get moving. So along with the police and the search and rescue, volunteers started looking for Derek on foot and by air and by snowmobile. Now, Lori, Derek's mom, had come up to the mountain at this point, and she decided to stay in a donated camper van that had been parked right on the edge of the woods, and she had a large bonfire burning all night, and she actually kept that fire burning for weeks because she was hoping that Derek would see this giant fire wherever he was and follow it and find her. Right. Makes sense. So as searchers were looking for Derek, reports started coming in that an adult male was seen driving a black Honda in the Rocky Point area on that very day, and this driver had even stopped somewhere locally to ask for directions. And then another witness also saw a man struggling with a young boy near the Rocky Point area on the side of the road. 
but he just brushed this off believing you know it was probably a little boy just giving his dad a hard time so I just want to like take a minute to stop right there have you ever been in a situation where you like saw a kid and an adult struggling and something just didn't feel right to you no I mean I've seen it in tv and movies but right not me personally I've actually seen it a couple times and it's one of those things where you feel kind of silly because you're like am I really going to call the police on a parent who's just their child's throwing a fit but what I would say to you is if anything ever like strikes your gut like hey I'm not sure it is so much better to be safe than sorry you know if something doesn't seem right do something because you this person had to come back later and be like hey I saw this and now this person lives for the rest of their life wondering if maybe they saw Derek get abducted right so it's just not worth it go with your gut like I said be safe rather than sorry. I've also heard stories where the neighbor heard screaming, but they didn't call the police. They didn't do anything. You could be saving someone's life. Right. You might feel like you're interfering. It's just a domestic squabble, but what if it's not? What right. if it's more? Exactly. And actually, as a parent, there have been a couple times where one of my little ones was like throwing a fit and I had to like carry them out of a store or where a parking lot or wherever. And every time, of course, I'm thinking somebody's going to think I'm murdering this random kid or or kidnapping him or whatever but you know what if the police showed up i would actually be relieved that there were still good people who questioned that scene so you know someone out there cares right i wouldn't even be mad i would just be like oh it is my kid (laughs) but if you would like to take him until he comes down feel free do me a favor for an hour help help a girl out that's right (laughs) maybe scare the kid into never acting like that again scare him straight right All right, so searchers looked as well as they possibly could that night, but they did run into a lot of problems due to the fact that that heavy snowfall actually turned into a full-on blizzard, making the search obviously very difficult. This heavy snow not only would affect how well searchers could see, and remember it's already dark on a mountain, so really dark, but the falling snow would also cover any tracks or anything left behind, really. One source called it a whiteout. Do you know what a whiteout is? Is that just where everything is so covered in snow, all you see is white? I, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what I was able to piece together. I thought you that's might because I know like. that you used to live. <laughs> Among the snow. <laughs> Among yes. the, the snow. So over the next several days, searchers did find a few things. They found a crude shelter that had been made from fir boughs. There were some fallen logs. And then branches that were kind of made into like a little lean-to type shelter and they thought maybe Derek with his you know knowledge of survival skills might have possibly made this as a way to protect himself from his surroundings they also found a candy wrapper and a bookmark from Derek's school and this bookmark actually had the R.L. Stein Goosebumps logo on it But officials still were not able to positively say that any of these items were directly connected to Derek. They also found blood of an unknown origin near the scene. Police brought in search dogs to track Derek's scent, but they were not able to find Derek's scent on or around any of these items or locations. Something else they found that would have totally freaked me out was a small child's footprint near ice and then like a hole in the ice in a shallow inlet but searchers dragged the little pond area and they didn't find anything but that would freak me out thinking maybe he possibly could have fallen through the ice 
So although this search lasted weeks, the police announced that Derek was dead after eight days because they said there was absolutely no way that he could have survived for that long in that type of weather. And in the days after Derek's disappearance, the temperature fell well below zero, the snow kept falling, and there were really heavy winds. Now on December 18th, all official searches ended due to concerns that the sub-zero temperatures were putting the searchers at risk. But Derek's family continued their independent search efforts, and they continued to camp at the site in the donated camper van over the following several weeks, while hundreds of volunteers also continued to organize search efforts. Now, Robert had a cut on his leg while he was out searching, and it actually turned black with frostbite, and he also developed pneumonia, but he still kept searching for his son. Wow. In the meantime, police questioned both Robert and Bob, and they also both took polygraph tests. They both passed, and they were cleared. Now, Derek's parents spent virtually the next two years searching that mountain for their little boy during all of their free time. They hired psychics, they bought a search boat, and they eventually went bankrupt due to the expense of looking for their son, because Robert had taken leave from his job to be there and to be able to look for him. And eventually they had to sell the house and Robert had to go back to his job. The Engabritsons theorized that Derek must have been abducted from where Bob had found his last footprints there by the snow angel. So on December 24th, 1999, some graffiti was discovered in a bathroom approximately 300 miles south of Portland. And law enforcement identified this graffiti as referring to Derek's disappearance. Now, police have never released what exactly this graffiti said. Oh, that was my next question. No, yeah. (laughs) But it did apparently allude to Derek having been abducted, killed, and buried. Oh, my God. So they removed a portion of the wall that had the graffiti on it, and they sent it to a state laboratory for analysis. But investigators ended up concluding that the graffiti was just a cruel joke. Now, to be sure... Derek's parents drove to look at this graffiti, and after doing so, Lori, Derek's mom, told reporters, quote, I think it's just a big, sick joke. I thought if somebody would have had Derek, if they had put this on the wall, they were wanting to be caught. If they were wanting to be caught, why didn't they leave something of Derek's there? End quote. And later on, she would say that she hoped that if her son had died, he had died on that mountain and not at the hands of an evil person. Because if he had died on the mountain, he would have just closed his eyes and gone to sleep and not felt anything. And who knows what he might have experienced had he been killed by someone. Right, absolutely. So then in 2002, the Inga Britsons received a letter from an inmate. And this inmate claimed to know that Derek had been killed, and he also said he knew who did it. So this inmate said that a man named Frank Milligan had been bragging about killing Derek while he was in prison for the rape and attempted murder of another 10-year-old boy. Now get this, Milligan had been a former aide in a children's psychiatric ward when he kidnapped a 10-year-old boy in 2000 raped him and slashed his throat thankfully this little boy actually survived this attack and milligan was convicted and he was also convicted of sexually abusing another 11 year old boy 
So regardless of whether Milligan is related to Derek's disappearance, he can just like rot in prison until he dies. Totally. Yes. And after that, like keep rotten, buddy. Yeah. So the police went and they interviewed Frank Milligan and Frank made a deal with the police that he would tell them exactly what he did with Derek as long as he wouldn't be given the death penalty. So Frank Milligan told the police exactly where they would find little Derek's body. He said he was buried near Silver Falls State Park in the Silverton, Oregon area. Now police searched this area extensively, but they found nothing. And then Milligan recanted his confession. Now keep in mind, without Derek's body, Milligan He was like 31 at this time, and he was sentenced for like another 36 years or so. And he potentially could get out (gasps) if he were not guilty of Derek's disappearance or murder. You know what I mean? Right. So for him to confess to killing Derek would probably ensure he would never be released from prison. Right. So we have to wonder when he recanted his confession did he do it because he didn't kill him or did he do it because he wanted to be out he wanted to eventually have the possibility of getting out of prison so at this point we still don't know if he was just playing a game with the authorities and Derek's family you know was it a false confession did he tell the police the truth maybe some of the details were off and that's why they weren't able to find Derek's body I will tell you this no physical evidence was ever found linking Milligan to Derek However, there were some witnesses that reported seeing Milligan's black 1998 Honda in the area where Derek went missing on that date. Remember, someone saw a black car? Yes. It's the car that Frank Milligan drove. (gasps) Okay. As of 2004, investigators said that Frank Milligan was the prime suspect in Derek's disappearance. They believe that Derek made it to the roadside that day, and then Milligan picked him up. Now, Bob the last person to ever see Derek alive, passed away in 2012 without ever knowing what happened to his grandson. And sadly, this event caused quite a crater between him and his son. And Robert actually stopped talking to his father because he blamed him for letting Derek run up ahead. Oh, that's so sad. Right. Robert blamed himself for not being able to find Derek, but blamed Bob for losing him in the first place. Now, today, Lori and Robert are grandparents. And in 2018, Lori told KATU, quote, I want to believe that he's still alive to this day. And until someone shows me something different, I don't think I'm ever going to give up on him, end quote. The Ingebrigtsens kept that artificial tree up that they'd put up that year. They kept it up 24-7 for three years Aww. with Derek's presence underneath it. Oh my gosh. That waiting for him to come home. Heart. Oh I my know. god. They also go every year and put a tree decorated with memorabilia honoring Derek where they parked the truck. Derek Ingebrigtsen would be 31 years old today. He was a white male with brown hair, hazel eyes. He has dog bite scars on his chin, between his nostrils, and under his nose. He has a cowlick. He was last seen wearing a blue snowmobile suit, a size 12 or 14 denim jacket, navy blue Route 66 pants, a black sweatshirt, an Oakland A's t-shirt, a hat, felt-lined camouflage print boots, and gloves with the Goosebumps logo. If you have any information about Derek James Ingebrigtsen's disappearance, 
please contact the Klamath County Sheriff's Office at 541-883-5130. And I have to tell you, that feeling that you lost your kid is like one of the worst feelings. It happened to me once. Okay. Knock on wood. With um, my oldest. We were at Disney. I can't remember which park has the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playground. Oh, I think that's the studios. I think so, yeah. But we were there. We were with some friends who were vacationing out of town. And the kids were playing on this playground. And it was a very busy day. It's Disney. So the the playground is, like, packed with both kids and, you know, grown-ups, too. And there's only one entrance and one exit. It's the same way in and out. But there's so many people going. There's not a lot of seating. So I positioned myself, like, right near that entrance and exit but still if you're not like paying full-blown attention you could easily miss a kid right so it starts the kids have been playing for like you know 20 minutes or so and it starts raining and it starts storming and they close the playground down so all the kids start running out well mine never emerges finally the playground is empty and my kid's not there and at this point I am freaking out obviously like freaking out where is he because here I am at Disney with thousands of people I have no idea where he is no idea who has him no idea where to even begin looking I'm crying I've got Disney workers helping me try to find him and about the time like I'm about to go from like you know 60 to like full-on meltdown yeah he crawls out of a little tunnel he'd been like playing in a little tunnel hide and seek and He didn't even know that it had started storming. He didn't even know everybody else had left. He didn't know anybody was looking for him. And let me tell you, you know, just just those few minutes, and it was just a few minutes, but just those few minutes not knowing where your kid is is horrible. I cannot imagine being in a scenario like this where it's literally like life or death. Yeah. Like a night out here it is enough to kill you kind of thing. Just terrible. Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Ugh, it's awful. So that's the story of Derek James Inca Britton. So sad. Hey, we are taking next week off. It's the holidays. We're doing some traveling and we're doing some fun stuff and we're spending time with our families and loved ones. But we are preparing for an amazing 2022 bringing you new stories thanks for listening and go ahead and check out our website for pictures and for links corresponding to each episode at dollsanddoom.com you can follow us on social media leave us a comment and stay alive so you don't end up on the wrong side of the grass that's right bye